Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for NFL Week 13. And I'm going to guess this is going to be one of the lower scoring slates of the season because there's no real obvious value. And even though there's 13 games, it's a lot of really shitty spots. Just low scoring games, only a couple games, even with a total of over 45 fantasy of 45 total points this week. No games with a total over 50. So first game that Matt and I have to talk about is the Minnesota Vikings at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm going to assume that Julio Jones, people are really going to want to roster him this week after the ridiculous game he had last week. But he's only up to 8,600. And Minnesota, top 10 defense in the NFL. So what is the biggest info for this game, Matt? The Falcons are three-point favorites. And it looks like they're a bit undervalued. The public is on the Minnesota side. And this game does have a total at 47. It opened at 47 and a half. Uh, maybe there's some sharp money on the under that's pushed it down a bit. The public likes the over too. So this should definitely be a popular game. And I don't think there's any real obvious play here. So even though there's a decent chance for a good amount of scoring, we're looking at some pretty expensive players and probably just a fade because everyone's a little bit priced up. Julio Jones at 8,600, Adam Thielen at 7,500. And the quarterbacks are reasonably expensive too. So I think I'm off this game just because of the prices, even though it's kind of a good spot for offense yeah well I think there are a couple of individual plays that I like even if I don't like this game as a whole Jarek McKinnon at 5100 the Falcons the biggest weakness to their defense is they're really susceptible to pass catching uh, running backs they've given up I believe it's the most receiving yards to running backs of any team in the league since the start of last year so that's the one thing McKinnon does really well and at 5100 I think there's upside in McKinnon and then on the Falcons side of the game uh, Devontae Freeman has missed the last couple of games with a concussion, and they priced him all the way down to 5700 and Tevin Coleman's at 7000 But Freeman is expected to play this week. So at $5,700, let us see, what have his prices been this year? Yeah, so Cole, uh, Freeman this year has been over 7000 for most of the season. So to see him at 5700 even in a negative matchup, I wouldn't look at him and say like he's definitely somebody to target heavily. But I think he's worth rostering in GPPs just because there's some value on the price because of how much cheaper it is than what he's historically been. I think that's sort of fair, but I'd also guess that we're probably looking at a timeshare between Freeman and Coleman. It's always a timeshare. Well, at the beginning of the season, Freeman was getting more of the carries. I don't think it was a complete 50-50 split. Freeman had a couple games with—he had three games in a row from weeks two to four where he had 18 or more carries. And then he started seeing less and less carries after that. So he hasn't really been a really rosterable play since week four. He's been okay, but in this hard matchup, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. He's worth the GPP flyer, but I think I'll probably be looking elsewhere. But at the very least, I'm definitely off Tevin Coleman, who's been very popular recently. I think there's zero reason to even consider him. Freeman's a lot cheaper, and maybe he's not better than Coleman, but he could lead the timeshare. I do think, though, that this will be pretty close to a 50-50 split between them. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be a split. I don't necessarily think it's going to be 50-50 just because Freeman has the bigger contract. They've given him more work. The only reason I do see that it would be dead middle is if they're still concerned about the injuries. But I still think that Freeman will get the start. I think he'll get the red zone touches. Uh, So I'll use a little bit of Freeman at 5,700. Next game on the slate... Uh, Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, as a good indication of how bad they are, their most expensive offensive player this week is Joe Flacco at 4,900. 
And they have a plus matchup, too, against the Lions. So what's the Vegas info for this, Matt? The sharp money for this game actually looks to be on the over. I think the total was set way too low, and I'm certainly not going to say the Ravens should have a huge offensive game, but I do think they're undervalued. So the line opened at 41 for the total. It's now up to 43. The Ravens are holding as three-point favorites, even though the public is on the Lions. So at these really, really low prices, I do think Flacco and Jeremy Macklin, and then potentially some of the Ravens' running game, if we can get some clarity there, I think all of that is in play. But especially Flacco and Macklin, because at least we know if the Ravens are going to be passing, we kind of know where the production is going, especially with quarterback compared to running back, where it could be any number of guys who get the volume. So even though the Lions are worse on run defense, just because of the playing time battles, I think I prefer the Ravens' passing game. And then Baltimore's defense is too good to probably consider any Detroit guys. Um, And the game's also in Baltimore. So I do like the Ravens' passing game, and that's probably it, unless we get more insight on who's starting at running back. Yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be Collins, even though he missed practice today. Uh, the reports indicate that it was just kind of a rest day and that he should be fine to play on Sunday. And if you look at Collins' carries from the last two games, 18, 13, 20, 16, and he's also scored a touchdown the last two games, so he's been getting a lot of the red zone touches. Uh, typically, they've, they've been using Collins as kind of like the guy they're using when they're ahead in the game. And then Woodhead, even though he's just coming back from injury, he would kind of be the guy who they use if they're playing from behind. So assuming that the Ravens are going to be leading this game, which I think we both do expect, I think that Alan, uh, Alex Collins does make for a decent value to play at 4500 Yeah, I think he does as long as we know that he's getting the carries. And that, that logic does make sense. So we'll definitely have to monitor that injury situation. Um, I'm looking now to see the Ravens' defense price because if you're going to use a running back for a low-scoring game, Usually makes sense to play for the defensive correlation. And the Ravens' defense at 3,100, I think, is usable. Um, They're probably not my favorite defense, but that correlation play, I think you could do a lot worse. So if Collins is the starter, then I think that 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 route does make some sense. All right, so next game is the Patriots at the Bills. This should be a one-sided game. The Patriots should really be able to beat down the Bills. Just the question is, where is the production going to come from New England? So we know that the Bills other than being able to stop uh, Kareem Hunt last week, their, pat, their run defense has been terrible since they got rid of Marcel Darius. But Deion Lewis has been getting carries. Rex Burkhead's been getting carries. And both of them have been priced up a little bit. Lewis is 5,500. Burkhead's 5,000. I mean, I feel pretty confident that one of them could have a decent game. Maybe even it's maybe even James White gets some carries at 3,700. It's just really hard to figure out which one of them it's going to be. And then the passing game. Cooks is at 7,700, Gronk's at 7,300, Breeze at 7,800. I'm not going to say any of these guys are individually bad plays. It's just really hard to figure out where the volume is going to be going on the Patriots side. So how many points are they favored by in this game, Matt? Because this seems like a game that shouldn't be competitive. Well, they actually opened as nine-point favorites, and the line has dropped to eight and a half, despite most people taking New England. It's about an 80-20 split on the spread bets. But the total has dropped two from 49 to 48 and a half. So if there is any sharp money on New England, we're not seeing it. I'm not really sure what to make of the line movement because it, it kind of is just doing nothing. But the point spread doesn't really indicate a blowout. So maybe the Bills are able to keep it more competitive. Uh, New England's defense still is really bad. So I guess that's maybe the reason the Bills keep it close, just because the Patriots' defense is so bad. So it's definitely a good spot for New England's offense. But like you said, the touches and targets are spread around so much that you'd kind of just be guessing to roster anyone from the Patriots. So at this point, I think I'll say I'm off them 
just because it's really unpredictable where the volume will go. Yeah, I think the one thing that maybe does make a little bit of sense, Tyrod Taylor to Zay Jones connection, just because the Bills are probably going to be playing from behind late in the game. And Zay Jones last few weeks, nine targets, five targets, seven targets, seven targets, ten targets. He's all the way down to 4,600. Uh, Calvin Benjamin's currently listed as doubtful, and Jordan Matthews is questionable. So both those guys out, it figures that Zay Jones gets a lot of targets again. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I definitely think it's a good spot for the Bills passing offense. So even if you just want to roster Tyrod Taylor by himself for cash games, I think that's an okay play. But yeah, Zay Jones getting that target volume. And that's probably it from the Bills side. I mean, LaShawn McCoy is expensive and I'm fine with just rostering a little bit of the Bills passing game and nothing else really. So next game we have is the 49ers at the Bears. Uh, this game is pretty interesting just because Jimmy Garoppolo is making his first ever start for the 49ers. Uh, he actually came in late in the fourth quarter for Beathard, who got hurt, and Garoppolo completed both the pass he threw and threw a touchdown. Beathard actually is available to play this week. They're just going with Garoppolo because he's better. So has the Vegas line moved at all with Garoppolo being named the starter over Beathard? Yeah, it's actually moved a little bit. The over-under has gone up from 40.5 to 41, sort of an insignificant move, half a point to the over. But originally the line opened at Bears minus 3, and it was up to 4.5 at one point. But then Garoppolo was announced as the starter, so it's dropped back down to 3. So we're kind of at the same point as the opening line, but there was some initial money on the Bears that was countered by Garoppolo starting. I don't really think it's a good spot for him, though, in Chicago. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, we really haven't seen Garoppolo play at all. He was in for, what, two plays at the end of uh, last week's game? Well, he made, he made a couple starts for the Patriots last year, and he was really good in those starts. So, I mean, that's why his trade value was so high and why they were able to get a second-round pick for him was just because he was so impressive filling in for Brady when he was suspended for deflating footballs. So <laughs> now we've got Garoppolo. We've seen this before, though, where, like, Matt Castle looked really good. Anyone can look good as a Patriots quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's playing in front of he's playing for Bill Belichick in that offense with all the weapons, and it's a well-run team. And now he's playing for the 49ers. It's a lot worse of an offense to be a part of. So I'm sure he'll be worse. It's just I don't know if he'll have the drop off Matt Castle had, but calling Garoppolo a really good quarterback just because he did well with the Patriots that's definitely foolish. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying we've seen him play well before, but it's hard to know how real that is because we have a precedent for this. Matt Castle filled in for Brady. The Patriots went 10-6. and six. Castle got a big contract, sucked for the rest of his career. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Garoppolo, but just that, you know, you can't look at what he did last year and be like, ah, oh, this is an all-star quarterback. And also, there's a huge difference between throwing to Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman versus throwing to Aldrick Robinson and Marquise Goodwin. Uh, I do think that Carlos Hyde at 5,900 makes some sense just because of how many catches he's been getting uh in the in the passing game let's see how many weeks in a row do you think we've recommended carlos hyde as a play i do agree with you but it's it's been a lot he's had a bunch of decent games in a row he hasn't scored a touchdown for a couple weeks but if you look at his last few games without scoring a touchdown uh 22 fantasy points 12 fantasy points 14 fantasy points and last week uh he had 13 targets in the passing game last week (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of stability for a running back getting 13 targets. And there's upside, too, if he happens to score. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And his price, it's sort of just been stagnant. I mean, he's been in the 5,000 to low sixes range for the entire season, and he's in that range again. So I feel the same about him as I 
do basically every week, and it sounds like you do too. Yeah, I think he's I think he's fine. He's not somebody I'm going to put in like all my lineups, but I think he's a fine play at his price, and I think there's some good value there. There's some good upside. It's hard to predict touchdowns, and he just had well. One of the reasons he hasn't scored touchdowns is because the 49ers don't haven't scored touchdowns. So I, there is some logic behind saying that Garoppolo maybe being a more competent quarterback than Beathard will lead to them scoring more touchdowns. Yeah, and then I guess we do have to mention the Bears side because with the Niners playing at the pace they play at and being such a bad defense, it's really hard to figure out who to roster on the Bears besides Jordan Howard. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is actually the most expensive receiver for either team at 4000 on DraftKings. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of crap receivers to choose from, but I think Dontrell Inman is sort of interesting. He's kind of emerged as the Bears' number one, and just pulling up his targets from last week. He had nine targets last week, five the week before, eight the week before that, and he's only priced at 3900 So I think if there's any Bears receiver to use, that's probably the guy. Yeah, it's just it's just an uninteresting, uninteresting spot because of, how, because of how bad their offense is and that Trubisky has been pretty unimpressive. So the next game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Green Bay Packers. Jameis Winston today was named the starter for the Bucs, which I think is a little surprising. I was not expecting to play much, if at all, the rest of the season. So did that news just happening this afternoon, has that moved the line at all, Matt? Well, we actually didn't have a Vegas line before that news, so it it's changed what the line would have been, but I don't know what it was supposed to be. Uh, the Bucs are now minus two with a total around 44, uh, 44 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that the Bucks wouldn't have been favored if Fitzpatrick was starting again. And I do think the public is going to be on the Green Bay side. They are so far, and the Packers actually looked really good against the Steelers in their last game. So you could say that the Bucks are undervalued with Winston at quarterback, but it's still not the best matchup, and this offense hasn't been that good. I think it's a semi-interesting spot, but I'm definitely more inclined to look at the Packers side, and especially at running back. Yeah, well, I mean one of the reasons to look at the Packers at running back is because Jamal Williams has just been playing all of the snaps since uh, Aaron Jones got hurt, Ty Montgomery got hurt. And if you look at his game last week, he finally scored touchdowns. He just hadn't been scoring before. Uh, so we finished with 29 and a half fantasy points. He had four catches for 69 yards, 21 carries for 66 yards. The week before, uh, 18 carries for 57 yards and 20 carries for 67 yards. He touches the ball a ton. So any running back who's going to be getting 20-plus touches is generally a pretty safe target. And then we have Jamal Williams all the way down at 4,700 against a pretty weak defense. I think that he's my favorite value play probably of anybody on the slate. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's there's a ton of value for Jamal Williams. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast you didn't think there were any very strong values. And I think this would be the one guy, if you were making that distinction on who's – Who's a guy who's cheap who should be, I don't know, at least 50% more expensive? I think Williams is that one guy. But I also think there's some value in the Bucks passing game. Deshaun Jackson is dealing with a foot injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So it could be increased uh, target share for Mike Evans. He's only at 7,100 now, and he definitely gets a boost. Even with Winston not being that good this year, uh, he's got to be better than what Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing. So it could be a boost for Evans, but then also guys like Adam Humphreys and Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, uh, all could potentially get a boost because uh, because Winston is at quarterback and because Jackson's not in the lineup, if that happens to be the case. So I think the Bucks passing game is worth monitoring, even though it's sort of a neutral matchup. 
Yeah, and then what is uh what was the DVOA for the Packers defense? Green Bay. They're twenty is... second against the pass. They're a much better defense against the run. Yeah, so I mean I'm fine with that. And the other thing also is if you're playing a lineup with uh, Winston, Evans, and Jamal Williams, that just kind of makes sense from a game flow perspective because you're kind of looking at it as, uh, well, maybe the Packers get out of Well, actually, it doesn't even matter from the game flow because Williams is playing no matter what. If the Packers are down, then Williams is in the game and they're throwing him passes. If the, if the Packers are up, then they're using him to run out the clock. So I'm kind of fine with it anyway. I was thinking of it from the terms of Packers get the lead, they're using Williams to run out the clock, and the Bucks are trying to come from behind, and it's Winston throwing the ball to Evans. But considering how Williams is really a three-down back who's always in the game, it kind of doesn't even matter. But it just makes sense to have all those guys together from the same game. Yeah, I think you could roster some. I wouldn't really use Hunley. If you're going to game sack, I think it makes more sense to use Winston. Uh, the Bucks are more reliant on passing than the Packers are. But using... Jamal Williams and maybe one or two Packers receivers, probably just one, and then some Bucks guys. I think for a full game stack, there there are a lot worse places to go. I think it's one of the more stackable games on the schedule this week. I would agree. Next game we have is the Indianapolis Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars' defense is very expensive, but it's just by far the best defensive play on the slate. There is so much ceiling and floor to the Jaguars this week. Uh, they score ridiculously. They seem to score a defensive touchdown every single week. I wouldn't expect that to continue, except the odds of them scoring a defensive touchdown against the Colts are still pretty high. Something else of note is that Leonard Fournette actually practiced today for the first time uh, in about a month. So that's a pretty good indication that he's totally over that foot injury. So what is the Vegas line for this game at? I would assume that the Colts are expected to be one of the lowest scoring teams on the slate, if not the lowest scoring. Um, I'm not sure if it's true that they're the lowest. They definitely are one of the lowest. Um, probably it. Maybe the Giants who we'll get to, or possibly the Browns. Uh, that's the uh, category that the Colts are in. And it's not that the Colts have a bad passing offense. I mean, it's not efficient, but they do have big play potential with Brissett and T.Y. Hilton. But the Jaguars excel defending in the secondary, they're a much better pass defense than run defense. So the public is actually a bit on the Colts side, which is kind of weird. But the Jaguars have hold, they've held steady as nine and a half point favorites. The over under is kind of just hovering around forty one, and the public is split on the over under. But I don't think that's all that relevant. Uh, what the over under is for the Jaguars' defensive potential, because like you said, they score a defensive touchdown every week and. That's kind of what you're betting on, turnovers, sacks, maybe some touchdowns, or at least one touchdown. So it's certainly a good spot for the Jaguars' defense. 4500 is a lot to pay for a defense, but if they fit within your lineup, I mean, I have no problem using them, and maybe that high price tag keeps them lower-owned. Uh, with the Colts being kind of mistake-prone, there's definitely some variance in rostering the Jaguars' defense. The Colts could have one or two long touchdowns, but they also could throw a pick-six or just have a lot of sacks and turnovers. Uh, I think... Brissett was sacked at least five times against the Titans last week, and the Titans don't even have a good defense. And that game was in Indianapolis. So there, there's a lot of upside for the Jaguars' defense. And like you said, there's a lot of floor, too. And then Leonard Fournette, if he's healthy, I mean, that's a pretty strong correlation play to go with Jacksonville's defense. Yeah, so Leonard Fournette is 7,800. That's actually the cheapest he's been since week five against the Steelers. And I don't think there's any running back on the entire slate who— uh, game flow favors more than Leonard Fournette. I think the Jaguars are extremely likely to be leading this game late, and then that's how they score most of their points, is running the football. They're not going to be throwing a ton with Blake Bortles. Uh, I do think that Bortles is an okay play, as bad as he is, just because of how bad the Colts' 
pass defense is. But I still think Leonard Fournette at 7,800 is a strong play. And then we currently have Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns are both listed as questionable. So I think D.D. Westbrook at 4,100, he's a pretty decent play. Let's see, his targets. Uh, so Westbrook's been active for two games this year. And it was last week he had 10 targets, six targets the week before. So 4,100, the favorable matchup, I think is fine for him. But I really like paying up for Fournette at 7,800. Yeah, I agree with you on D.D. Westbrook. I wouldn't roster Blake Bortles because I think there were just better quarterback choices. But for a value play receiver, that seems fine. And then, yeah, Fournette and Jacksonville's defense, that's uh, definitely the spot to target for the most part in this game. All right, next game, uh, Denver Broncos at the Miami Dolphins. And we have some quarterback changes because uh, I believe Trevor Simeon is now starting quarterback for the Broncos and the Dolphins going back to Jay Cutler with Matt Moorhurt. So what kind of impact has this had on the point spread in total? Well, the move to Trevor Simeon is actually favoring the Broncos a lot. Maybe there would have been sharp money on them anyway. But it's definitely true that Simeon's better than Brock Osweiler. I have no idea if he's better than Paxton Lynch or not. We don't really know much of anything about Paxton Lynch. But Brock Osweiler is definitely really bad. So having Simeon playing instead of him is a good thing. The Broncos opened as one-point underdogs. They're now one-and-a-half-point favorites. The Public betting is pretty split, so it's there's no public bias that's causing this line to change. I think it is just sharp money and, I guess, the quarterback news. And for the total, it's gone up from 38 to 39 and a half. It looks like there is some value on the Broncos because their entire offense is really, really cheap. So while there's not a ton of expected output here, I do think that it's viable to use them just because of the prices. And the Dolphins have, I think it's the second worst pass defense by DVOA. So if there's a spot on the Broncos to target, it is their passing offense. The Dolphins are 16th in DBOA against the run, 31st against the pass. So I like Denver's passing offense quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's an okay—I mean, I think it's a good spot for them. Uh, I am concerned just with the talent. because. <laughs> well, Demarius uh, Thomas I mean, is good, and he's only at—Demarius Thomas is at 5,300. So even if you're not going to use the whole offense, I do think Thomas is worth using— uh, even if you are very concerned about the talent at quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, Emmanuel Sanders should play this week. He's been on the injury report the last couple of weeks, but he's played both games. He hasn't done much, though. He had uh, two catches for 15 yards two weeks ago, three catches for 12 yards last week. A lot of that also has to do with just bad quarterback situation. Uh, assuming he plays, I'm fine with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and um, and and Simeon. Just because it is a favorable matchup. I'm, and it's also good weather. It's hard to find good weather at this time of year, in my, but it's in Miami. So that should be a good situation. Uh, I just think due to how there isn't a ton of value on this slate, I think it makes sense to target these guys at really cheap just against a shit defense. Uh, next game, Chiefs at Jets. We have uh, Kareem Hunt. The price has gone way down. Oh, my God. Kareem Hunt again. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any player who's... Burn me more often than Kareem Hunt this week, but what is the Vegas information for this game, Matt? It actually kind of looks like there's sharp money against the Jets, which I don't think has happened the entire season. The public is on the Jets' side for this game. Uh, I think the last time the public favored the Jets was when they played the Browns. So the line opened at sort of different in every book, actually, because the line was off the table for a while. The Chiefs were at minus five in some places, minus three other places. And then the line sort of started creeping back up from minus three. It's now at three and a half. But with the public on the Jets, that does indicate some sharp money on the Kansas City side. And 
it would make sense the Chiefs are undervalued now because they've been so bad recently. Uh, Kareem Hunt continues to have long plays called back for holding penalties. Maybe that'll stop happening this week. So I think it is worth buying low on him, but I think I'll be lighter on him than I otherwise would have been just because he's been so disappointing for both of us in recent weeks. Uh, It's definitely a good spot for him, though, with his price at its lowest point of the season, and the Jets' defense is definitely bad. So uh, the Chiefs' offense maybe won't have that breakout game, but there is definitely value on Kareem Hunt's price tag. Yeah, the issue is with Kareem Hunt. The Chiefs have been so bad lately, and if they get behind in games, Hunt isn't their third-down running back. He isn't their pass-catching back they use late in games. It's Charkandrick West. But one thing to take note of is that it looks like West might not play this week. So if West doesn't play, then I think Hunt is a really interesting play to me. At 6,900, I just think he's somebody who, yeah, if I have, if he's like in the in the flex spot or whatever, and I've built the entire lineup and there's like 6,900 left over, I have no problem using Hunt in that spot. He's not someone I'm going to be actively targeting, but I do think he makes a decent amount of sense if West is ruled out. Yeah, I think he's someone who I'd probably want to use in like, a quarter to a half of GPP lineups, but not much more than that. I think not a ton of Kareem Hunt exposure, but definitely some. So we'll have to see what happens with Charge Kendrick West, and then I guess we'll make our full determination of how much of him to have. Yeah, I would use considerably less of him than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next game, Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. So this is two pretty bad defenses. It's two equally bad offenses. Matt, how do you feel about um, uh, Marcus Mariota, and what does the what does Vegas think about him? Uh, Vegas likes him again. Vegas liked him last week. So the Titans are six and a half point favorites. The total's gone up from forty two and a half to forty three and a half. The public is really split on this game, both on the spread and the over under. Uh, it's a good matchup for Mariota. The Texans' defense is bad now since they had all the injuries, most notably JJ Watt a few weeks ago. So it's another good spot for Mariota like he's had a few times recently. He just hasn't really produced in them. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know what to do with him at this point. What do you think? Yeah, so I I would feel better about him if the price came down. He just he continues to be expensive, though. Uh, I think Corey Davis at 5,100 makes sense if uh, Rashard Matthews doesn't play again this week. Um, Let's see what else. The running backs, no thanks. It's... It's a it's a decent matchup. Just it's I don't think that there's a ton of value in the price tag from the Houston side. Let's see, DeAndre Hopkins all up to seventy three hundred now, and Tom Savage still sucks at quarterback. It's what I think. This is two bad defenses, but it's also two bad offenses, and I just don't really think I'm gonna have a ton of exposure here. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I do agree with you on Corey Davis. I think the move is to use these cheap Titans receivers, especially Davis, who's only at 5,100. But I'm off Mariota, I think. We've mentioned several other quarterbacks already who may even have more expected output than Mariota and are 1000 to $1,500 cheaper on DraftKings. So there's just no real reason to pay up for Mariota unless you really think he's going to be very low-owned and you're going for upside with that low ownership, but I also don't think that'll be the case. Mariota's fairly popular most weeks, even in bad matchups. Uh, he's just a player that the public really likes for some reason, even though he's just been terrible this year. Uh, so I think the only player that I really want to use from this game is Corey Davis. I like how you say, I don't know why, just for some reason people like him when we've liked him multiple times this year. <laughs> We're part of that. I don't even know why we like him. Uh, one other guy who I do think makes sense before we move on is uh, Delaney Walker. Had a ton of targets last week. 
And let's see, what are the so Delaney Walker's at fifty six hundred this week, and targets last week. Uh, he had four catches for sixty three yards and a touchdown, but five targets in the weeks before nine targets, nine targets, five targets, ten targets. So that's a good amount of volume for a tight end of 5,600. So I like Delaney Walker. I think the reason I won't really use Delaney Walker is because you mentioned a tight end before we started. That's basically the same price who I like a lot more. So I have no issue with Delaney Walker, but we'll get to that other tight end value. And I probably will be nearly all in on this other guy. So I'll, I'll leave it as a surprise for now who that other guy is, unless you want to say it. All right. Only a few more games before we get to Jared Cook. Uh, so <laughs> Browns you at Chargers. Uh, so... Keenan Allen has been ridiculous the last couple weeks, so I assume that I think a lot of people are going to have a tough choice between Julio Jones and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is a much better matchup because the Vikings have a really good defense and the Browns do not have a good pass defense. But the last two games combined, Keenan Allen has 23 catches, three touchdowns, and 230 receiving yards. So what is the Vegas information for this game, Matt? Well, the Chargers are very big favorites. I think that uh, that part was going to be obvious. The line opened at 13. It's now 13.5. The total's at 42.5. So actually, yeah, the Browns have a lower expected output than the Colts. They're the worst offensive spot in terms of the Vegas line on the slate. And the Chargers are in a good spot. The Browns passing off. Passing defense is terrible. I just, I'm concerned about ownership here, and I'm a little concerned about prices, but it's certainly a good spot for the Chargers passing game. Yeah, so the Chargers passing game, uh, I mean, it's so expensive. Phillip Rivers at 7,000, Keenan Allen at 8,300. Melvin, if Melvin Gordon has a good game in this matchup, it would be one of the most ridiculous things ever, because Melvin Gordon sucks, and he's been terrible for really the last few weeks. Uh let me look at... I didn't ask you, though, uh, are the Browns good against the pass or the run? I, I figured it out this time. But I will they say... They are good against the run. They are bad against the pass. <laughs> but before um, you uh, move on to the rest of the Melvin Gordon analysis, Joe Mixon actually kind of destroyed the Browns' run defense last week, and that dropped them from first in run defense DVOA all the way to second. So they are uh, getting worse or trending down or whatever. I don't think it's... Uh, it's impossible for a running back to have a good game against the Browns, I would say. And Melvin Gordon should get extra volume with the game flow favoring the Chargers having a late lead. But I, I still don't think Melvin Gordon's good enough to really use that much. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at uh, targets for Tyra Williams and Travis Benjamin from last week because Mike Williams got hurt during the game. Let's see. Travis Benjamin at three targets. Uh, Tyra Williams also at three targets. Literally all the targets go to Keenan Allen. <laughs> so it's hard to justify rostering anybody else. I think Hunter Henry Hunter Henry had five targets last week. It, it's really hard to say anybody's a strong play on the Chargers offense other than Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen. So I'll say that they're a fine correlation. It's hard for me to find another receiver to like. Keenan Allen should have another big game this week. And if I'm paying up for a receiver, I prefer Keenan Allen to Julio Jones. I prefer Keenan Allen to Adam Thielen or to, or to Brandon Cooks. So I think paying up a receiver, Keenan Allen makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a safe cash game play. He'll be high-owned, but there's... I don't think he's too expensive in terms of his production. I just think the ownership is more of a concern for GPPs. But he's worth having at least some of because he gets a ton of targets and it's a really, really good matchup. Um, yeah, but, I think for me, though, if you're looking at those expensive receivers... So basically, we have uh, four guys 7,500 and above. Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen, and Julio Jones. Assuming you're going to have lineups where you're paying up for a receiver, 
doesn't he just make so much more sense to those other guys just in terms of production? Yeah, I think he does, but I think I'd just rather have lineups where I don't pay up at receiver because Leonard Fournette is probably someone I'll use a lot of, and uh, I guess it depends how much Kareem Hunt you want to use, but it would be better to just pay up at running back, although Jamal Williams is cheap, so I don't know. There are certainly going to be some lineups to have to pay up at receiver, and yeah, it does make sense to use him. It's just the ownership is a concern, so I don't know. I wouldn't want to have too much of him just because... There's a lot of potential positive leverage if you fade him and for whatever reason he has a bad game and maybe he's 40% owned or something because he actually has been, I think he's been over 25% owned. Well, the Thanksgiving slate doesn't count, but I think he was over 25% owned the week before that. You, you, no, I he, think, had, he had like no ownership the week before because right, I was, remember because I had him. It was, he was only 5,900 that week and he was like 9% owned or 8% owned or something. Yeah, and the Thanksgiving slate was only three games, so even though he was 50% owned on Thanksgiving, it doesn't really matter there there weren't a lot of guys to choose from but he's been so good the last two weeks that that ownership number should come up even if it hasn't been that high the last two games um I don't know I'm still undecided I'll definitely have some of him but I'm just not sure how much I like him yet because of how much everyone else will all right so Panthers Saints something to kind of keep an eye on here is we don't know what the Saints secondary situation is going to be Vaccaro was out last week Marcus Lattimore was out last week so without those guys you have uh the Saints passing defense, one of the best in the league, and it just wasn't because they were missing they were missing their best defensive players. So they got torched by the Rams last week, and I think we could see the same thing from the Panthers' offense if those guys are out again this week. So I think it's kind of a waiting game to see what the injury situations look like for the Saints secondary before making any determinations. Is there a line for this game, Matt? Yeah, there is. Uh, everyone's listed as questionable, I think, so we, we kind of have no idea. But the Saints are maybe the most public, the the biggest favorite of the public all year this year. Uh, in DFS, they're always really high owned for the spread bets. They always get a really big percentage of them. So they're at four and a half point favorites. They've actually moved up half a point. It opened at minus four. The total's gone up from 47 and a half to 48. We should remember that before the season started, the Saints were supposed to have a really bad defense. They were actually one of the teams we targeted passing games against early in the year. I think most notably the Patriots against them. I think that was either week one or week two. And the reason the Saints have been good on defense here is mostly because of Lattimore having such a such a tremendous rookie season. So if he's not playing and then if Vaccaro is not playing, there's no reason to think the Saints would be any better on past events than what they were expected to be going into this year. It could be just a very, very bad defensive secondary the rest of the season without those guys so it's it becomes a really strong matchup for the Panthers if uh, if their Saints are actually dealing with those injuries. Yeah, and then uh, so let's see uh, the prices for the Panthers receiving core. The other thing also is that Greg Olson returned from the foot injury last week and he re-injured the foot. Not necessarily re-injured, but just kind of it didn't feel right early in the game and they took him out. So I would figure that he misses this game again this week. I think that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey at 7,200. This could end up being a decent matchup for him. They'll probably play him at wide receiver again this week. And then we have Devin Funches at 6,800. His price is up a little bit, except if, if those receivers are going to be out, it's so many targets for – if those cornerbacks are going to be out, it's so many targets for Funches in a favorable matchup. He had 12 targets last week, six the week before, seven. He's actually had at least six every single game since week two. And then who else is getting targets? Uh, nobody really. So I guess 
it would have to be Cam Newton to Devin Funches or maybe Cam Newton to Christian McCaffrey as the stacks for the passing game. But if McCaffrey is hurt, then Jonathan Stewart at 3,600 maybe becomes the strongest play on the Panthers' side. Do you think he loses touches to some of the third and fourth string guys, or Stewart would just get all of the work if McCaffrey wasn't playing? Well, the one thing is I think McCaffrey is almost definitely playing, so it's not really something I'm concerned about. Yeah, I guess that's Uh, fair at this point. So, I mean, they said today at at the Panthers' practice that he wasn't practicing, he might not practice tomorrow, except they said it's no indication of his status for Sunday and expect him to play. So I expect him to play also. And I think even them telling the media that, hey, he's not practicing, but he's probably going to play even if he doesn't practice. So if he does practice tomorrow, he's 100% playing. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I'd still say he's like 99% playing. So I, I think he should be good to go. What have Stewart's carries been recently? Stewart got 15. I think you could actually reason to play Stewart anyway, because if you look at his last couple games, 15 carries, 17 carries, 11 carries, 11 carries. So at 3,600, I I think that he's a usable play. Yeah, and then I guess if McCaffrey is playing through an injury, maybe he becomes restricted or maybe he re-aggravates the injury during the game. There's probably more upside for Stewart, even if McCaffrey's in, than there usually is because he is dealing with the shoulder injury. Um, So... Yeah, I agree with you on Stewart. I probably don't... I don't think we'll use much of him just because Jamal Williams isn't that much more expensive and he's probably the better play by a good amount. But for another cheap running back, Stewart's probably one of the better ones. All right, so next game we have here... uh, Two games left. The Rams at the Cardinals. Let's see, the prices... The Rams have gotten way more expensive... After last week's game, Robert Woods is expected to be out again, and Cardinals just are terrible right now. So what is the Vegas info for this game? This should also be another fairly lopsided game. Well, I'm not sure. I think there's going to be some sharp money on the Arizona side. The Rams are seven-point favorites. The line's actually dropping a bit. I think we'll see it fall to six and a half and maybe even lower. For whatever reason, uh, road division games tend to be closer. I really, I, I don't know why. But that is a that is a thing that just happens sometimes, and there is like actual statistical evidence for this. But I don't know what the reasons are. It just is the case for whatever reason. Uh, the public is on the Rams though, and they've been really good in recent weeks. The Cardinals' defense is bad, but they're not. It's not like they're the worst defense in the NFL or anything. Uh, they are. Their offense is bad also. Their offense is definitely bad, but they're actually ninth in defensive DVOA. And they're fourth against the run. So given that this is a road game for the Rams and the Cardinals defense is probably underrated, I'm definitely off Todd Gurley and I'm probably off the entire Rams offense too. But I think I'm also going to be off the Cardinals offense just because their offense is very bad. So with the total being 45, actually, I think that total is probably way too high for this game. And it does look like there's actually some sharp money on the under. So the total could continue to drop. This game just seems like a really easy fade. Well, the one guy who I do think makes some sense just because he's cheap is Sammy Watkins at 5,200. Because with Robert Woods out again, Watkins is going to start. Watkins actually got nine targets last week, which was by far his most of the season. So if he's going to be getting that many targets at 5,200, I think he's a fine play. Yeah, I think that's a fine play also. He's not someone I'd have a lot of exposure to. We've already mentioned several guys, I think, at receiver in that price range, like Demarius Thomas and Corey Davis, and I think a couple others that I'm forgetting. 
so Watkins seems fine, but I think I like those other guys that are similar prices more. All right, last game on the slate, Giants at Raiders. The Giants have named Geno Smith as the quarterback because he's going to bring the Giants to the promised land. Uh, well, here's the deal with the Giants starting Geno Smith. I don't have an issue with the Giants pulling Eli or taking away the starting job for Eli. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to go to Geno Smith. They drafted Webb, so why not play Why not play Davis Webb if that's where you want to go, if you're trying to build for the future? I don't really understand the move to Geno Smith. With that said, I don't think it's some terrible downgrade to the Giants' offense. I think a lot of people think of Geno Smith as, oh, he's some terrible quarterback, which is true. Geno Smith isn't good. But Eli Manning's also been terrible this year. And then something else that I think is kind of interesting is the Giants' offensive line, which is thought of as a really bad offensive line because it isn't a good offensive line. In terms of amount of time that they've given the quarterback to throw the ball, they've actually been kind of okay this year. They've been below average, but they haven't been like last in the league. But the sack rate is so bad because Eli Manning holds the ball a lot. So I think that it is possible that with another quarterback, maybe somebody a little bit more mobile will play to the weaknesses of the offensive line, maybe a little bit better. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I don't think that... I don't think that because Geno Smith is starting that the Raiders are some great defensive play that I think a lot of people might think of them as. Yeah, I don't think so either. And, well, I guess I'll speak to the line movement first because it sort of reflects what you were saying. The Giants were 7.5-point underdogs when this line originally opened with Eli Manning as the quarterback. And the Giants moved from 7.5 to plus 6.5. I would say it's some sharp money because the Raiders are overrated, especially on defense. And then also because... Michael Crabtree is suspended and Amari Cooper is out. Cooper has the concussion and Crabtree was suspended. So that definitely had some impact on the betting line. But then when the line reopened, it was only moved from six and a half to about eight and a half. But the public sentiment really flipped. I think people see the name Geno Smith and just immediately started attacking the, the line betting on the Raiders. They've kind of been ignoring the fact that Raider, the Raiders are missing their top two receivers and Geno Smith was really bad on the Jets, so it just seems like he'd be a lot worse than Eli. But Eli's been terrible this year, and also the Giants are going to have Sterling Shepard back. So I think it's actually a net wash for the Giants to not have Eli Manning, but to have Sterling Shepard. I think their passing game is sort of the same as it would have been if Eli was starting and they didn't have Shepard. And that probably makes this a really undervalued spot. The public loves the under here. The public now loves the Raiders. There's definitely some value on the Giants' offense, and they should be really low-owned, too. Yeah, I think the one issue with the Giants' passing game is just that Sterling Shepard is still all the way at 7,000. Uh, I think, assuming he plays with the migraine issue, I think that he's still a fine play because the targets are going to be there. Um, and Geno Smith is so cheap, and the Raiders' defense is so bad that I think that that's a stack that makes sense for GPPs that should go under the radar. And then from the Raiders' side of the game, all of the receivers are out. We have Amari Cooper isn't expected to play. Michael Crabtree is suspended. So who's going to be doing damage for the Raiders? And it's probably going to be Jared Cook. We know the Giants have been really bad against tight ends this year who aren't Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis somehow put up a 0-0 line against the Giants last week. But before that, uh, Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards against the Giants, and the Giants have given up a touchdown to a tight end in every single other game this year. So I think Cook at 5,400 is a really strong play. And then it's just trying to figure out who else might get targets? Well, uh, Corderell Patterson, who's one guy who would probably be involved, he's actually questionable with a hip injury, so we'll have to monitor that. But 
the Raiders might just have no one to throw to besides Jared Cook, and I guess Seth Roberts is the one guy who would definitely start at receiver. Yeah, so Seth Roberts, only three targets last week. He did have nine targets the week before, and that was with Cooper and Crabtree. So I think there is a little bit of rapport between Seth Roberts and uh, and Carr, so I think that he probably makes some sense as a cheap wide receiver also. Cook is definitely my preferred receiving option for the Raiders, but I think you could definitely make a stack with, like, say, Seth Roberts, Cook, and Carr, or maybe Patterson instead of Roberts, but Cook is my favorite tight end play on the slate by a really wide amount. And then uh, one other guy for the Raiders passing game, Johnny Holton has been practicing with the first team this week, and the target share probably won't be high for him. He has been more of a big play threat this year, so in three games that he's appeared this season— Actually, four games. This is pretty ridiculous. He's been almost like Will Fuller, not with the touchdowns, but just with the long plays. Uh, he's only had six targets, but he has four receptions for, just doing some quick math, 161 yards. Um, and he scored two touchdowns on those four receptions. So it's kind of like the Raiders have their own Will Fuller here. But uh, maybe Holton's role evolves if he's actually starting this week. I'm not sure about his actual ability as a player, but at only 3,400, if he's a starting receiver against the Giants' pass defense, he's definitely someone to consider in those game stacks, too. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'd much rather roster Seth Roberts. He's only marginally more expensive, who I'm much more confident is going to get targets. Yeah, if Patterson so. misses the game, though, I, I would definitely roster both Roberts and Holton. But I do agree Roberts would be the better pick. Uh, but there's no reason why you can't roster two different receivers in the Raiders passing game, even in some of the same lineups. If you're paying up for Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, you will need some cheaper guys. So there could be a lot of passing to go around for the Raiders. All right, that's going to finish today's podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at GAaronBirdDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back with a basketball podcast for Friday.